Hey photographers, today we will hear from another successful business owner who is reaching their financial goals by selling photography. Here's your host, Tavis Guild. Hello everyone, Tavis here, and I'm so excited for today's interview and chat with David and Whitney Scott. They're over in Arkansas, and they've been doing full-time photography since 2009. So here's the really cool thing about these guys. They work less than 20 hours a week running a business that places them among the top 5% of income earners in the photography industry. Family and faith are their top priorities, and they've built a business that they get to be intentional and allow them to live the lifestyle with time to travel, spend time with their two precious children, and be able to give generously with their time and resources. You guys, welcome to the show, David and Whitney Scott. Hello. Hey, Hi, Tavis. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you guys. And so for all you listeners out there, these are my dear friends also. Uh, I just Aww. absolutely love them. We connected uh, you know, a few years back and just love doing life with them. And so this conversation is going to be really fun. Yeah, I mean, we just don't do life with you. The second time we ever met you and Amy, we're sharing a hotel room together. Oh, that's true. <laughs> the second time. Fully committed. For like a week. Yeah, it was we great. We knew them well. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, so this is all about value for our listeners. So I always like to just jump right in and, and get to the good stuff. And so as the intro may have tipped off, I think it would be so fun to talk about how to create a six-figure business working less than 20 hours a week. Now, I'll be honest, when you hear this for the first time, sometimes you're like, okay, that's maybe a pipe dream. You know, that's not possible. But you guys have been strategic and found a way to do it, which, of course, as I mentioned, lends you to be able to do all of the other things, live and give how you want to give with time and resources. And so for those out there listening, and this is appealing to them saying, hey, I have small kids in the house, I want to spend time with them, but I also I want to do my passion, my love, which is photography. Give us a little bit of your journey with when you first started kind of creating that and first, you know, caught wind of, hey, I think we could do it. Well, I think the first thing is that we had to be very strategic in deciding what we wanted for our life, mm -hmm. what our main goal for our life and our family was going to be. And for us, it was family. It was family life. That was our number one objective. And then how do we structure the business to fulfill the dreams, the desires of that number one objective? We know we can have just about everything, but we can't have it all at once. And I don't, I don't think we want it all at once. There needs to be anticipation as, as a part of life. We looked at how we wanted our family life to look like and then we structure our business to help facilitate that goal. And we knew in order to have our family look the way we wanted it to, we would have to structure the business at a very low volume and a higher price. We started out asking ourselves the right questions. Yeah. And I think that's so important. I think so many people just, they get on that hamster wheel and they just go and they go and they go and they don't think about why am I doing this and where do I want to end up? And so we asked ourselves questions like, what do we want our life to look like in five or 10 years? What do I want my days to look like? How do I want to be spending my time? What things, if I don't do now, will I regret not doing at the end of my life? And I think answering those questions tells you, okay, this is the amount of money that I need to make maybe per year 
to get me the lifestyle that I want. And for some people, that's a six-figure income. And for some people, it's not. Yeah. You know, I love this because I'm a big advocate of we should be designing our business, and in this case, our photography business, to serve us, not the other way Mm -hmm. around. We shouldn't be serving something that we were maybe initially passionate about and then it, you know, became a job and got, you know, <laughs> busy and all that stuff. But instead saying, hey, this is the lifestyle I want to have. You mentioned travel, you mentioned the kiddos and being a part of different organizations and events and, and community really all over the place, not even just locally where you're at and saying that's going to take a front seat. And now I'm going to work on the photography business to make that a reality. And so, Now that we're there, what are some things that those that are on the same path, they love this idea of saying, hey, let's trim down the 40-hour work week. When it comes to how that unfolds business-wise, how are you spending time in your business? What are you spending time on? And then obviously that's having high financial impact in order for you to pull off the 20 hours a week. So what are some things that you can highlight that our listeners can grip onto and say, hey, that's something to work towards. Because right now they're like, okay, if I start working, you know, half as much as I am now, I think I'll receive half of what I'm making now (laughs) is the quick math that they might be doing here. So let's let's fill in some of those blanks for them. Well, first of all, I want to highlight that this is a process. Mm -hmm. We certainly didn't start out at this place. We started out Um, you know, proofing in our home around our kitchen table. And I am talking about in-person sales. And of course, that's a highlight of how we're able to do what we do. But we were, you know, making maybe three, four hundred dollars a session and going to in-person sales immediately doubled our sales. Even when we didn't know what we were doing, it was just that immediacy of sitting down with a client being there with them during the heightened emotion of seeing their images for the first time and helping them to make decisions. So that was key. But even so, even at that point, slowly tweaking our pricing and really getting into simplifying that, uh, getting into some of the psychology behind how to price things so that you kind of continually move clients up to the next level those were really important things. But that took us, you know, from that $400 average, it took us 12 years to get where we are now, which is an average of over $4,000, which we never, never would have thought that could work for us. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean, you did great. Good job. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I love you guys. And so, so how much of this, you guys, is if you've ever heard the, the phrase that you expand to the room you're put in, right? So whether it's time or money, you know, whatever you make, you'll spend. Whatever, you know, time you have, you'll use. And so do you feel like a big part of when you were building this, you know, 20-hour-a-week lifestyle with working and then doing life on the other side, how much of it was that you just said, hey, I'm going to do what I need to do within 20 hours? Or did you have to create some things that allowed you to have higher impact with the clients you were interacting with? I can keep talking. Keep I just want to give you a no, chance. You're good. <laughs> I think when we say 20 hours a week, our goal is actually one to two clients a week. That ah. ends up being about 20 hours a week. So when you have 
one to two clients a week and you're doing the business the way that we do, that means I'm also doing one to two consultations a week. I'm editing clients every week and we are doing in-person sales one to two times a week. So that's where that 20 hours comes into play. But those are all things that we enjoy doing. But getting your sales averages up to where they need to be is a key part of that. Because obviously, if you're making $150 a client, you can't do two clients a week. And you can't do 20 hours a week and make the kind of money that you need to to support your family. So in a way, you've structured it to where you're protecting yourself against the no sale, the really low, like, wow, they only spent a couple hundred dollars. I didn't see that coming, you know, sort of thing. But instead, in order to pull this off, you have to instead be super intentional about an experience and all of the things that go into them having, you know, you mentioned a $4,000 average. And so they're going to be below, above, somewhere in that ballpark. Let's talk about that because after all, this is the Selling Photography Podcast. Let's get into some of the psychology that you love and use that you feel like not just helps your client, you know, with the education process and the value and trust and and all that good stuff. But what are some things on the psychology side of things that you do that help reassure that you're going to have a good quality client, that you're not going to have that no sale and I guess low sale, but instead stay close to that average with the clients you are working with? You, Mina? Sure, go. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> it's like we, rock, paper, scissors going on here, guys. I love I'm it. I'm trying love not it. to take over, Tavis. No, take over. Go ahead. Take over. Go for it. Jumping. Go. Go. <laughs> well, I will say that, and you know, my background, my degrees are in psychology. So that is kind of a natural piece for us. And so much of it is just that connecting with people and connecting them to their imagery and letting them know, I mean, just affirming to them how meaningful this is. I was texting with another photographer this morning and she sent me a picture of her mother-in-law's in the hospital right now in critical condition. She sent me a picture of how they had blown up an image of her with the grandkids on the wall of her hospital room. And I said, this is why we do what we do. This is important. This is valuable to people. And we need to communicate that to our clients up front. They need to understand it at a deep level because that gives them the permission to invest in it. Do you have anything to add to that? Not on that part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and we can, of course, we can do a lot of things with the psychology of pricing and things that we do in the sales room. And that is, that's a huge, huge topic. But just tackling one small thing at a time. I think people, photographers, go to classes and they watch these podcasts and they take in so much information and they get overwhelmed with it and they don't do anything. And I'm a big proponent of making one change and seeing how that works for you and making another change and seeing how that works for you. Every time we have a sale, we still do this. At the end of the sale, Dave and I will sit down and go, okay, What worked well and what didn't? You know, did we leave any money on the table? Could we have served them better? What was missing? Or what did we do right? And how can we expand on that with other clients? Yeah, I love that. Well, let's get into a little bit of that. Let's get into the price sheet. I know. So for those of you out there, you know, listening and hanging out with us, David and Whitney are partners with me with Tribe of Five. 
And one thing we do in those coach-led mastermind groups is we do kind of a price sheet red pen event <laughs> where where they send everything into Whitney and she marks up, you know, the price sheet based off of where they want to be with their average and their sales and all that stuff. So for our listeners out there that have their price sheet, what are some things that you're looking at that can just sabotage you and you don't even know it's coming? Oh. And, and she ahead. is genuinely and sweetly brutal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's helpful. It's helpful, though. To deconstructing a price sheet. But yeah. <laughs> in other words, she wants to poke the holes in it to find out, as a client, what clients could get away with, mm-hmm. where you're sabotaging yourselves, how you can enhance different things to make things you really want to sell look better, all those kind of things. Go ahead. Well, Travis knows this because there's an area in his pricing that I bug him about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, but we agree to disagree on that. But no, when I, look at, when I look at pricing for other photographers, I do try to approach it from the perspective of a client. And I will tell you the number one problem that I see is just overly complicating things, trying to offer everything, trying to please everyone. You confuse clients and they shut down. And when people shut down, they go back to what they know, which for our clients is either I'm just going to buy some eight by tens or can I just get the digitals? So if you're hearing all the time, can I get the digital files? I just want the digitals. That means you haven't properly educated your client. That means they're probably confused and and they just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So you can actually walk them through that process. So simplifying things, not putting too much in one sheet or one booklet. I remember when we started out, I printed this beautiful hardbound pricing book and I would lay it in front of our clients with a thunk. And I thought it was gorgeous. But what <laughs> happened was... They felt like they had to understand everything that was in that entire book in order to feel like they were making a good decision. And so they would just get stuck. And I mean, I know this from when David and I go to the Cheesecake Factory and he gets so bogged down in that menu. And you do. I do. Right. And what do you order every time? The same thing I ordered last time. Same thing. And why do I do that? Because you're overwhelmed. Well, I'm overwhelmed, but I'm also confident in what I've had before. Mm-hmm. I'm going with something that's familiar. Right. And if you're presenting too much to your clients, then they're going to go through that same uh, mental process of trying to figure out what's going to be the best deal here. Where can I get the greatest value from what I'm about to purchase? And if it's too confusing, it's too overwhelming, they're going to go back to something, an anchor point that they're familiar with that they know, okay. I don't understand all the other stuff, but I understand this eight by 10. I know what that is. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go with that and I'll be happy with that. Well, and psychologically, studies have been done that show that people are happier with their purchases when they have fewer choices. They feel more confident in what they've done. And that's our job as photographers. We are the experts. We are supposed to curate our price list. We're giving them the very best of what's out there that we know of. And so I think our job is to educate them, to let them know, I've searched everything. This is the best. I love everything here. And if you love it, it's much easier to sell. Yeah. Well, there's, man, there's so many good things there. Before I jump into that, David, what is it that you order at the Cheesecake Factory? 
the burger. Yeah, it's, it's just a burger. Just a burger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just crazy. I'm just trying to derail our conversation here. That's all no. I'm. No, <laughs> but but if you if you order the same thing every time, I'm like, well, I, I kind of want to know that. No, Maybe but you guys have brought up a lot of great things. So one of the things that I just identified from that is clients will behave how we allow them to behave, the way we facilitate everything, their behavior is going to match that. And so like with you guys out there are getting the, hey, how much are your digitals? Well, what about the digitals? It's because at some point in our experience or at multiple points in our experience, we're allowing them to behave in that way because we're not giving them anything else for them to, to grab onto, to create an anchor point with, like what David said. They're just going to be using their past anchor point, which if all that was was digitals, then it's our responsibility to do the education and the inspiration and so that they have the desire to do something tangible, which is sometimes something new. They've never done that. We're creating a new anchor point. And so I love, you know, the less is more also with the price sheet, you know, just taking out the stuff that truly all it does is it just makes it to where you have to explain products for 10 more minutes. <laughs> and our clients, they're never going to be the expert of all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, instead, we have to give them, hey, here are the benefits, not the features, but here are the benefits. If you make this choice, if you choose this product in conjunction with this product, here's what it will feel like having that in your home. Here's the reminder it'll be. Here's the legacy aspect of that. Here's the part where they become the hero, right, of their family for making these decisions. And we kind of have to guide a horse to water with that. (laughs) Well, you went through that living up close to Seattle, the whole Mm -hmm. Starbucks experience that, you know, you don't go into Starbucks just I mean, it's, it's a cup of beans and water and a little bit of milk. You're saying it's not it worth $5, David? <laughs> I, I, the average is much higher Twice than a day? <laughs> <laughs> because they're selling that same cup of beans and water in a frappa-wappa-ding-dong that's <laughs> so much more expensive. And yet, because of that experience, it's not just a cup of beans and water. It's something completely different. And that's readjusting that anchor point which is something that we can easily do, but we just have to guide our clients through that process where they go, oh, I had no idea albums look like this. That's not what I get from Shutterfly. Mm -hmm. Nope, it's not. It's something completely different. It's very different. Mm -hmm. Well, and and so you're talking about also perception and status. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's studies out there that if you're holding a Starbucks cup, people will perceive you as more sophisticated. And so there's a status part of that. And then there's the the perceived value based off the experience. And so people are like, you know what, we're going to jump into this. We want that cup of coffee. Or in our case, photography studio, we want that portrait on the wall because of the feeling it gives me, whether it's a status feeling or whether it's just, you know, hey, this is a reminder of a specific season of life that we had. And I know it's never going to repeat again. So I want to make sure that I have it well represented in our home. Right. So great. And stuff. I think that's, that's an interesting point that you bring up because I actually, it, it's a little counterintuitive, but sometimes when I talk with uh, clients or potential clients, I will tell them people come to us for special occasions. We are not the photographers people typically come to every year. I want people to equate what they're doing with us as something very unique and special. So if I can tie a portrait session to a special event in their life or a special time in their life. Senior portraits are easy. The first baby, those first family portraits, 
That's easy. The last family portrait while everybody's together before a senior goes off to college. If I can make it a special occasion, I relate it to like going on a vacation and you spend way too much money on some stupid trinket because it's something that you're going to take home to remember the trip. I can make that justification in my mind that because this is a special occasion, I have permission to spend more on it. I can invest in this. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Oh, this is good stuff. So as we're kind of reaching the latter part of our conversation, when you were on or you're on your journey in the photography world, but early on, what's a piece of advice that you would give yourself, your younger self, when you were first starting out and going through, because you mentioned some transitions at the kitchen table, making those $100 transactions and mentioning that it took you about 12 years to get to that sweet spot. What's some advice that if you would have listened to yourself, <laughs> you could have given yourself uh, some inception here, guys, that would have maybe increased the value or sped up that process? Like what comes to mind when I say that? You know, I attribute this quote to Joel Grimes, but it, he probably got it from somewhere else. That if you position yourself as a technician, you will be relegated to the salary of a technician. If, however, you position yourself as an artist, there's no limit to what you can command. And if we would have realized that early on and not worried about what other people were doing, be it competition or either people we admired, like, oh, we'll never be able to attain that. If we would have just gotten rid of all that fluff and just realized, okay, people are coming to us because of us. I mean, we can create pretty cool imagery, and but it's more than that. It's the experience. It's interaction with us. We're selling really ourselves and the experience of what we can provide to the client. And if we would have realized that early on, we wouldn't have needed to, to feel like we were required to go through these steps to reach the level we wanted to. We would have taken much bigger leaps um, ahead because we weren't encumbered by any construct of, of what a photographer should do with this amount of experience and, and all that periphery stuff that's just not really relevant to, hey, this is me and I'm going to create something amazing for you and the experience of something you're going to you know tell all your friends about. If we would just realize that early on and not been so afraid, I, I think we would have been further along than we... But yeah, well, quicker. I'll take that a step further yeah. and say, um, and, and I don't think there was as much online community when we were starting out because there just wasn't as much online <laughs> in general. Old. We were desperate for that. We were desperate to be able to see people who were doing what we were doing. And that's what led us to, you know, create our first IPS mm -hmm. video, what, like seven years ago. Yeah. But to surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to be doing, who are attaining those levels that you may never have dreamed were possible, because that's something that we've done just in the past few years. And now we are surrounded by people who are making multi six figures in photography, who are just killing it, who are living really great balanced lives, mm -hmm. who are spending their time the way they want and are able to give generously to other people. I mean, we just see so many amazing examples and we can learn from those people yep. and we can connect with those people. I mean, Tavis, you are one of those people that we, we've learned so much from and just value that relationship so much. And I think everybody should have that. So many people are just looking 
at the space right around them. And, oh, look at all the photographers in my community who are giving it away for so cheap and all this competition. When, if that's what you're looking at, then that's what you're going to be. Yeah. Oh, so, so good. So good. So the, the recap on that is, is truly like what Davy said, D- Davy, David said, <laughs> Davy, <laughs> Davy. <laughs> comparison is the thief of joy. And, and we spend way too much time doing that. And the quicker we get to the point of our business can serve us and having that mindset of my artistry is worth whatever value I set on it. And I'm just going to support that with the service and the experience and, and all that stuff. The, the faster we hit, hit our goals. And then Whitney, you came in with just the perfect, you know, you become the average of the people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. And so my challenge to our listeners is who are the five people that you interact with the most? Are they feeding into you? Are, are they your cheerleaders? Are they letting there be no boundaries in what it is that you want to accomplish in terms of the height you can soar to? Or do you find yourself in a comparison state, in a scarcity mindset? You know, like surround yourself with abundantly minded people because they'll look at the whole glass half full always because, you know, just keep putting water in it. And there you go. (laughs) And so anyways, I I am so excited for our listeners that they had this chance to meet you guys and hang out. And if you want more of David and Whitney, you can find them at uh, their social media handles. So Whitney Scott Photography or Facebook Whitney Scott Photography. Obviously, their links are going to be in the show notes. David and Whitney, thank you so much for hanging out. I enjoyed our time. We enjoyed it too, Travis. Travis. Oh, no. Okay, guys. Signing off. (laughs) You've been listening to Selling Photography with Tavis Guild, sponsored by Guild Canvas Company, a luxury line of museum quality canvases for photographers, hand painted and easy to clean. Go to guildcanvas.com and click become a client to get started.